We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you after the all-star starters have been announced. And what a surprise. Julius Randle, congratulations. Oh, no. No, no, no. Andrew, come on. You're insane, dude. You're insane. (laughs) <laughs> that would be like crash winning best picture oh no this is that'd be worse but can i just do the the uh jack jack nicholson open the envelope mm-hmm. whoa julius <laughs> i'm sorry um hi everybody chris, uh chris has no idea what movie yeah. you're referring to <laughs> chris if i gave you a a billion dollars to name an actor from the movie crash could you do it one guess. Sure. I mean, it was a lot of actors and actresses in the film, too. So you I mean, you have a shot, I guess. Better let one fly. Hold on. Um, Andrew, I'm sorry if this is rough to edit. We're leaving this in. This is the cold open of the year right here. Um, totally fine. Go ahead, Chris. What? I need to come up with something that if it's wrong, is going to be like so wrong that John will melt in his it's a billion dollars. Chris, come on. You yeah, can use a billion dollars. Robert De Niro. No, that's actually no. like a, a, a fine guess, though. That is a fine yeah. guess. The next year he was at. Oh, no, he wasn't in a movie that won Best Picture. I was thinking he was in Departed, but different Scorsese. Um, Rats. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask another question that I know he doesn't know the answer to. Do Joe you know, Pesci. Uh, no. Do, do you know who Ryan Phillippe is? <laughs> no. That's not as egregious, I don't think. No, but it's not like egregious. he like, like Don Cheadle would have been the one to. The name from that movie, I think. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Don oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, hi everybody. Uh, hi Andrew. Hi John. <laughs> hi Chris. Chris Percy <laughs> Welcome aboard. Hello, friends. Uh, yeah, we're here to do a mailbag episode uh, that we are sitting and recording. Well, I am somewhat delirious because it's uh, ten to eight at night, and I have already taken a nap. <laughs> that's that's what kind of day it's been. Um, Chris, how you doing? I'm excited for these post-Matt Mac Randall takes. Um, 
I I've started classes. This is my first full week going on right now. Um, Second semester sophomore year, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, hasn't been Congratulations. the worst. Thanks. I guess I, you know, I, you know, that that's. I guess it is something to consider like that. I don't really, you know, I'm just kind of like existing. Um, I'm learning Photoshop in one of my classes. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna be funny now. Start start doing Nick's. Um, what what can not contraptions but like you, you get what i'm talking about um okay i don't know i'm missing the word Nick's, it's okay not creations like you know kind of like haphazard creations there's like a one word thing for that i have no earthly clue what you're talking about i think you should just you get first question you get what i'm you get what, what i'm what, talking about what are you using i missed the beginning of the, the question what are you using? making memes Oh, Photoshop, Photoshop. You want to go compilations? Is that the word you're thinking of? No, it's more. There has to be like a little risk in there, like haphazard. It's it's like a off off. I'm going with memes. Uh, they need to leave you back to fucking freshman year again. My God, yeah. sorry. I, I was told I saw a comment this week. I needed to curse less. I'm going to try to go the whole episode of that cursing. That's my uh-huh. that's my vow. All right, I'm going to go find some new questions to try to break. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ask the first question. Come on. All right, the first question is fun. We get to we're gonna we're gonna just start off and and have some fun, and we're gonna do what I do best when the Knicks are. I can't curse when the Knicks are pooping on themselves publicly, um, which is completely ignore it. What is your take from Don Marco? He wants to know, what is your take on the Donovan Mitchell buzz? Do you think it's anything more than the typical insert random star wants to go to NY? And if you didn't see the reason he's asking this is a report came out today where an Eastern scout said um, that it's like around the league. It's like the, the thing people say is like, oh, they're a first round exit away from him being in New York. Uh, what was that? Is that one of those like NBA Central report things? That's who aggregated it. That's who aggregated because they'll aggregate. Do you know their mother? So, okay, so now I now I need to look and see. It's a real East Scout that said that though. That's a, that yeah, was like a real. Where, where does the where did the report generate from? Is the it's question? From Rick I, Rick Buker is the one that generated it. I okay. Um. So. I think where and there was there was a report a couple of weeks ago that yeah. some guy from Miami was like he wants to go to Miami or the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember that one. That I remember. Um, even in my diminished state at the moment, I remember that report. I mean, Buker is I I don't know. Um what do I think about it? I mean, we've talked about this offline, right? I mean, I think if any of us let me re- let me rephrase that. If you give me the the typical names, like if you if you you know you do your like Nick's wish list of of names that actually, I, I don't even know how to say this realistically. No, because like I don't know if any of these are realistic, but like the names we always throw around: Cat, Booker, Zion, Donovan Mitchell. Who am I missing? Uh, am I missing anybody? Maybe I'm not missing anybody. Shay. Who? Shay Gilgis Alexander. Oh Shay, so I I said Shay. I'm like, um, no, uh. Yeah, fine. SGA. Like, I think Donovan Mitchell is the most is the most likely of those because a he plays in Utah, and I, um, I've mentioned this before. I have him on notifications. He's someone that, um, let's just say, does not take kindly to, uh, the the ways of the the folk, 
over over in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, Andrew, you, uh, is that a good way to put that? You're, you're muted. What? I think it's not necessarily a match made in heaven. Donovan yes. Mitchell and the population of Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. He, you know, is a great community guy there. There's a lot of stuff that's come out like. Oh, I'm sure he is. Not the media of like yeah. stuff he's done. But then like if you go to any of his tweets in the last two years about anything that's not basketball yeah. and look in the replies, it's so disgusting. Like it's yeah. so nasty. And we, and look, that's I'm not I don't want to put uh, Salt Lake City on blast. There's you, if you listen 50 to major cities in to, the United States where that's the case. But to a tolerable degree, like I feel like our longest running bit on on our show is that like we just joked that the, most of our listeners are from Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> we, I don't know why you joke about that. We always shout them out at random time because we started out with the MJ documentary and we're talking about the Salt Lake City oh, pizza. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so ever since then, we just always like anytime there's like an awkward moment on the pod, you know, we're getting Riley and I get in a big argument about Zach Levine or something, and then the argument dies down. I'll be like, all right, well, shout out to our listeners in Salt Lake City for sticking with us. <laughs> that's a good. That's actually a good bit. That's, um, like, that's like our longest running bit. Is this is, I always laugh when SLC comes up. So uh, you know, My all this is vacation yes, destination. Shout out SLC, uh, SLC Punk. There's a movie for you. Um, what did that, you just say to me? Is that a curse word? <laughs> just let's move on. Uh, shout out uh, Matt Lillard. Um, okay, so I think um, yeah, he's an he's an obvious candidate to. Want to not what? Ignore me. Go on. He's an obvious candidate to want to move on at some point in his career. Um, I I mean, like, does anyone know what Donovan Mitchell is thinking right now? I mean, there was a report from Jalen Rose, and I had heard some similar stuff at the same time where Jalen Rose was like, kind of intimating before he signed his extension that maybe he didn't sign his extension. And then he signed his extension because guess what money talks and bullshit walks. And like, if there's a chance for him to sign, um, to sign, uh, you know, an extension in Utah that pays him a ton of money. Uh, is he going to turn that down? Is he going to really, cause like, you know, when's the last time it, like that doesn't look happen. at the league right now. Look at the league right now. Look at the state of the NBA right now. Does not happen. Players are taking their money I mean, and forcing gonna, their way out via trade I, later. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. Look, Donovan Mitchell is in a great position where he has reached that point in time that he like basically he's reached. He's he is not Durant or Kawhi, but I think he's reached the point where he could suffer literally a season ending injury that is potentially serious. And there would still be some team that would be willing to give him all of the money in the world. So you know, the notion that it's going to be about money. Like, I don't know that said, you know, these guys just, they keep extending and then they figure it out later. I I, I don't know how aggressive is he going to be to push his way out of Utah? We, I mean, we have no idea. Um, I will say this. I hate the way that team is built for the long term. Uh, the Gobert contract is a ticking time bomb. Um, I mean, they're going to be paying that guy $40 million a year. People, for- people need to respect him though. I think like, I respect I, the hell out of Rudy Gobert, but that's, I, but you, no, I hope I on this re- all the time. Yeah, 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 no. I'm just saying like people say he sucks and I'm like, no, all right, their perimeter defense sucks. No, that's abs- Rudy Gobert doesn't suck. Rudy Gobert is is like extraordinarily valuable. It's been since Dirk, right? Since Dirk in the 2011 Mavs that we've seen a team win a championship without two elite 
offensive on on ball offensive players. Um, unless I, I, maybe I'm just forgetting someone, but I don't think so. Um, so they don't have that there. Like Mike Connolly's, what is he? 34 years old, 35 years old, whatever the hell he is. So like, if they don't win this year and you could argue that this year is their best chance. Um, you don't think this year is their best chance, Chris? Who who are they going up against, man? They, they, you know, no, I'm saying it's they're. I'm not saying they're going to win it this year. I'm saying their chances moving forward will only diminish from here because Connolly is not getting better. Look, Bogdan, Bogdanovich oh, yeah. is not getting no, better. I agree. Angles. Yeah. I get it. It's just like they I don't even see this year as a real chance, man. Oh, like, no, I mean, that's, that's fine. That's a personal. I, I'm not sure I do either, to be honest with you. I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it. What I will say, because uh, it's a fact, is they don't have a big trade in them because they've already traded away picks. Uh, so, again, it's not like they're a sneaky destination to get him that second guy. So all this is to say, like, yeah, of course, it makes sense that the rumors are already starting. Um, but that's not going to be a this summer thing. Like, I don't even think that's going to be a next trade deadline thing. That's a maybe next summer thing would be my guess. I don't know. There is a Bradley Beal, Utah joke to be made. All right. Next question. Uh, Ethan, AKA RJ for all-star. How much would you re-sign Mitch for slash? What would you not match in the off season and let him walk for? I threw this in now because after this, we're going to get into the thick of it with this team. And yeah, this is my last softball to you. Um, what would I sign him for? Um, honestly, I don't. God, it's like the notion that I would just hand him the Robert Williams contract, which at, at a certain point I would when for anybody who doesn't know Rob Williams, who is Boston center, was a lot of the similar traits as Mitch um, gave him uh, uh, four, four for 51, I think, or four for 55, something four, four. for. Yeah, uh, 454. Thank you. Um, this summer, the notion that I would just hand him that, despite the fact that he's played arguably his best stretch of basketball over the last month to month and a half, I, I'm really just not sure that I would. He is, he is still someone that is not an incredibly limited player, but like, you know, Benji was talking about it on the playback last night. You could still take Mitch out of a game against certain teams. Um, like I do not believe. Let's let me. I'll put it this way. I do not believe that Mitchell Robinson is good enough to be a starting center on an NBA champion or an NBA contender. How, I think. I, yeah. Can I throw a, a? And I know you're not going to like it, but That's can I fine. throw? Can I throw a question? No, I'm saying you're not going to like the question. But can I throw a question in? Sure. How much of? And this is a serious question. I'm not just like trying to lead, bury a lead here. How much of Mitch's struggles against stretch fives that, that we all know about do you think are attributable to Tibbs having him play drop against them every time? You, know, my honest answer. Yeah, I don't I think, think this Mitch, is what I'm I don't think Mitchell Robinson thinks the game at a level where he knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing on every defensive possession. And I, think I, his, I, I think his play would reflect that take if if you want to you know go there. <laughs> I, no, I hear, but I say it because I I mean we've watched enough of him to to just know, like for him to the answer to the question is I would give him three for I don't know three for thirty. I might even go three fully guaranteed. I was going to say three three for thirty five or 
Um, I would do, I would do four forty-five if you gave us a, if we if, um, we if we could do a team option on the fourth year. I mean, fine, whatever. Um, but like, you know, Jakob Pertl has been a better NBA center than Mitchell Robinson. Jakob Pertl signed for three for what was it, twenty-seven? I think a couple years ago. Um, I know. said that earlier this season and got murdered for it. So, which is why I react like that. So I, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> but like, but, it, but again, like if you on balance, he is, I mean, he has had, he, I mean, if you were to rank NBA centers right now, he's, I don't know what he is. Is he 18, 20, 22, 24? Like, I, you know, it's something in that range. Like, what are you paying that guy for a position that is becoming, you know, increase, not replaceable, but like, what are what I'm not saying Jericho Sims is Mitchell Robinson. I'm not saying that at all. But like, is it how much is it worth it for you to lock up a guy for X amount of years at X amount of dollars when you could get, I don't know, 85% of his production um, for a, what is Jericho Sims making a million dollars a year, whatever he is? You know, I, you know, that's that's the question. Um, I think if, if you're asking that question, though, it has to come with the one A, one B, and the one B has to be. Do you have a path at least planned to have enough ancillary talent to make up for that 15% loss at a very key position for for, like, it's a very key position, right? Um, If especially for Tim's teams, like the way he runs his defense, the center position is the most pivotal position. Everything, you know, the whole Jenga tower is built on top of that one really strong block. It's absolutely pivotal, but, but I, I don't know how much I can, I don't know. I can sell myself on a lot of stuff the next year. I don't know how hard it would be too hard of a sell for me to look at Nerlens being our full-time starter and being like, I, but again, this conversation yes. isn't about, it's not about Mitchell Robinson or Nerlens Noel because guess what? If the Knicks God willing ever get good enough to be competing for a championship, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel is not going to be the starting center on that team. I could guarantee you that you want to sign him to a number that you feel good about being able to um, to send him out easily at that number. And the reason I, I hesitate on giving him the, the fourth year is because I think that there's a world where something could happen to him or his play can get to a point where like teams that really scares teams off three guaranteed years, three guaranteed years. You could always move a guy because I mean, if it goes terribly in year one, you only got two years left. So and that's why you know Fournier deal like really doesn't bother me at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Um, and by the way, by the way, it, it, it's probably gone as bad as anyone could have envisioned. And you look at his numbers, and it's like, all right, oh, it's fine. For, forget the numbers. Look at his last couple weeks of play. He's been like fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, he, I don't disagree. He he hasn't been revolutionary. He hasn't been transcendent. Um, but he has looked like a veteran mercenary shooter who can shoot off the dribble and not defend, which is exactly what we paid for. So um, good call. Okay. Uh, next question. Next question. Dylan tricky. And uh, now you get to go into Mr. Smiley. Um, Boy. And it's not Keva given so much of Randall's struggles seems to be, or seem to be between the ears slash mental is there any value in the team giving him a few weeks off to reset and come back post all-star break the upside that he mentions is randall can refresh and get his head straight the team can get a good look at extended topping minutes and of course there's the, the reddish part also uh i don't i don't think this is done um unless you're lebron james and you decide to go to take a vacation to andrew where did he take a vacation to that year 
he went down to South Beach randomly oh, that's right. in his first Cleveland season just to go, go get some sun is is what LeBron <laughs> James went and did. He he really loves the Miami sun and the it's all about the sun advantages the sun in Miami provides more it's more powerful reckless, reckless powerful speculation sun. here. And those, you know, those like nice uh, avocado toast breakfasts they have on South South Beach. The the one hundred percent the secret to his success: avocado, toast. avocado toast, and the sun. Yes. Um. In unless you're unless you're uh, LeBron James, you don't you don't just get you like that's not. I, that, I don't think that that's done. It's one thing if you have an injury, um, and they say he has an injury, and they're specific about the injury, and they're going to say that. We're going to try to use rest and rehab. We're going to try to rest, use rest to cure the injury. And if it doesn't work, we're going to have like surgery. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think there is a possibility of ha- happening. And I, I, I will, I will say that I, I at least heard this mentioned as a possibility today as something that like, if they don't trade him at the deadline, don't be shocked if this is what happens. Oh, um, is they, I don't know when it would happen. I don't know if 10 games, 15 games, 20 games left in the mm-hmm. season. I have no idea. Matthew but, missile inbound. No, listen, just take it for what it's worth. Um, which who knows? Um, but that he would be shut down and they would, you know, use that time to see what they have in OB in a, in a more of a full time role. Um, but because right now, if I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a question or if I'm getting ahead of myself. Right now, if you ask me to bet, is he going to be traded or is he not going to be traded? I would bet no. Although something that I would have put at like 5 to 10% chance of him getting traded probably a week ago, I would probably put closer to like 30 to 40% chance now. Maybe that's a little too high. Um, probably is too high, actually. But You're telling me that if you simulate the trade deadline three times, Randall gets traded once. once. Yeah, I think it, well, no, because the difference now is I maybe not the difference. I I I am of the belief now that if they get a deal like they're just, it's a, it's about getting a deal that they like, and I have no idea what how good that deal has to be. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe they whatever. This, we'll go, I'll save I'll save my thoughts. This, on this front office has been very clear. I'll 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 get you here. This front office has been very clear about having their price, whether they're buying or selling. Yeah, and they as your percentage changes would imply are probably looking at what price they would want for him a little more closely than they ever have before, given his recent play and attitude towards it. And I'll say, I don't think like the price has dropped drastically in the next or in the last couple of weeks, but you know, like you said, I'm sure they're sure they have a price and I'm sure it could be met. So whether anybody decides to meet that price is, you know, remains to be seen. Um, so yeah, I hope that's a good answer to the, this person's question. Fair, 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 fair. Um, now the next question that I have, uh, next question I have is going to be really fun for you, John. Oh, great. And it allows you, if you'd like to write a future that I think you'd, you'd like very much. So, okay. Obi Toppin Burner slash Knicks fan wants to know who goes first, Tom Thibodeau or Julius Randle? Oh, Julius Randle. That's not even a question. I mean, it, it was a question. It was a good question, but it's there's there's <laughs> there's zero question in my mind that it's Julius Randle. I was talking to someone uh, who I won't say, but someone that is a friend of the pod today about the, the the percentage chances of Tibbs like not making it to the end of the season. I I, I don't I don't think that there is 
a chance of that happening, which is not to say that I think Tom Thibodeau is going to be here for the, for forever. You know, Johnny Bryant's going to be the next coach of the Knicks. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point, you know? Um, But I think, I think the, the, um, if you look at like the seismic shift, right. Seismic shift, but like, I, I, I get what you're saying. No, but like Tibbs to Johnny Bryant, like at, you know, let's just say at some point before the end of this year or at some point before next season, how about that? At some point before next season, if, if Tibbs was out and Johnny Bryant was in, um, like, let me put it this way. Good organizations know when to make that move. See Toronto, for example, you get the the rigid, strict coach that can take you only so far, and then you transition to a coach that is a like once that once the hard part is in place, right? We're still in the hard part. Like Johnny Bryan has never coached before in the NBA. You don't hire him in the midst of a crisis. And I'm not. I don't know if I'm saying the Knicks are in a crisis right now, but like I'm not not saying they're in a crisis. All um, right, listen. What? I think I'll say I'll say it in one sentence. Okay, um, a, a rare criticism. One sentence, you know. You gotta. I think people need to look deeper into the Cam Reddish trade in regards to what kind of setup that was as a trade. In regards to how this front office feels about what's going on. Okay, like, now I'm gonna have to ask you to expand upon that. What do you mean? I think I know what you mean, but no, I don't know. They're they're just clearly still an asset acquisition mode. Oh like, yeah, no, if, yeah, they, if, they, yeah. They agree with you. They do not think that you know. For all the f- fans can scream on Twitter all day, you know, at their jobs, um, in their clothing for their their uniform, whatever they want. Fans can scream about how Julius isn't a number one option. The front office agrees with you. They know. <laughs> they're very. Yeah, of course, aware. they know. No, that I, I mean, I, I hope. It, does anybody think differently? Um, does they it, went did anybody Lowry, ever? They went after Lowry and Paul to try to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, RJ is growing up faster than even I expected. I thought what we're watching now was going to come after the All Star break and for the rest of the year, and we're getting it in January. I well, am. Well, let's so back to the Tibbs uh, Bryant thing. Like that's a move that they will make at some point, but what I don't think they anticipated. And why I think this question is being asked is things going so haywire this year. I think they could have, you know, I, nobody thought this year was going to be like a contending year, but no, I don't think anybody thought that this was going to happen. Um, so like, I think they need to write the ship first. And then at some point after the ship is righted, then get things back kind of going in the right direction. And then a little bit down the line, you know, you'll probably, you'll probably get that move, but like bad, uh, you know, you know what bad organizations do? Bad organizations would fire Tom Thibodeau this year or this summer. Like that's what a bad organization does because like he's shown you he's he could he's a good coach. You know what else I think a bad organization would do, John? What? Be in the midst of this Julius Randle situation and say, "Ah, screw it. Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell, I'll take it." I I'll I'm sure we'll get a question of this ilk later, so I'll save my thoughts on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Derek wants to know if we do end up stealth tanking, uh, and he put that in quotes, (laughs) <laughs> even though there isn't much stealthy about it right now, who would y'all want to target to pair with an RJ, OB, IQ, Grimes, core? 
Oh, from the draft? I I think he means like that and if there's anyone like trade wise that like another like cam leg acquisition, I would assume is included in this, but um draft I draft was my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy, did a brilliant job um pointing out the and and you just pointed out too, like the whole aqua asset acquisition, like they needed someone in a perfect world. The player that they were looking for was a guy who was from that specific draft because they're looking to extend him potentially this summer for a salary around what Cam's going to wind up extending for guy who has like real upsides, you know, obviously young player. Cause it's from that draft. Like they got the guy already. There's no other, there's no other, like the notion that they're like, there's a trade out there where Julius Randall is going to bring back I, I'll have something on like on De'Aaron Fox in, in um for Friday's newsletter. Uh, long story well, short, we'll get there. I I don't think it's realistic, but like okay, so but the notion that Julius is going to bring back like a, a a young player that is going to be good enough that you're that is going to be part of your core moving forward. I I don't like unless you want to. I mean, Andrew and I half joked about it on today's Patreon episode. Maybe, maybe not half joked, maybe like 15% joked. Every the notion, every good joke has truth to it. You know, the notion of Julius going to Dallas and like the Knicks getting oh. Jalen Brunson back. Yeah. Listen, this, this episode of Patreon is bananas. That's not even the wildest trade that was suggested on the pod. Oh, it's so, like the third or fourth wildest trade. Yeah. If you want to talk Kemba and their Dallas pickback or, or yeah. Kemba and their Dallas pickback, listen, and a second. And listen, listen, listen to the episode. That's all I'll say. You um, guys are nuts. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> um, I, so I'll answer this question in two ways. The first question, the first way to answer it is just looking at the draft. Like there is no position that they need to target. They are in, they should be in best player available mode, hands down. And you want to know the evidence of that? Uh, and Bobby Marks had a great tweet about this. Um, last night or a couple nights ago after the Cavs came back to beat the Knicks is like the Cavs already had Colin Sexton, didn't keep him from drafting Darius Garland. The Cavs already had Jared Allen, didn't stop them from drafting uh, Evan Mobley. Like you draft the best guy. So like Jabari Smith, Chet, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Blanchero, Jaden Ivey, uh, I think Sharp is the kid that just reclassified that is, is going to be now probably the fifth or sixth pick in this draft. If he does get into this draft, then yeah, he's going to go. Live. Yeah. Like any of those guys, like take any of them, like RJ, it's great that RJ, you know, like has, he could play the two, he could play the three, you know, whatever he's, he could play whatever you want. Can I, can I ask a, can, can I get my own mailbag question in really quick? Sure. Right now, is he better than Karis LeVert? <laughs> Very funny. Uh, yes. Here, the crow here. Where's Mr. Crow says hi. Um, the other way that I will answer that question is the other way that I will answer that. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to demean myself to further give credence to that, that silly question. The other way that I will answer this is to say that, um, in a perfect world, like what do the Knicks need to round out the core? They need a, they need an on ball, a guard an an on ball creator. They need Kemba, you know, six years ago. Uh, but then again, <laughs> but then again, every, but the, the, the kid that I would love, you know, I know I just rattled off all the guys at the top of the draft. Ty Ty. Uh, I, well, no, I was going to say the Ivy kid. Cause again, oh, I know he's that, great. I mean, he's not, I guess he's not 
thought of as a point guard. And I, God knows I have not done any homework on him or this draft, but like from watching the tape of him, like clips of him, he seems like he could sure shit do some things in terms of getting to the basket. You know, here's what I'll say in regards to that. Um, as someone who ate crow on Halliburton due to my underrating of his ability to develop his pull-up jumper. Um, I think that if the Knicks knew Julius was going to be what he was last year, they would have loved to have taken Halliburton with that eighth pick and Halliburton's not a point guard, but those passing skills and everything are still be damn helpful next to Julius. I don't think it matters. Well, I don't, I'm not, well, I'm certainly not thinking of any, any player acquisition in terms of how they're going to be next to Julius. Like, Ju- the notion that Julius Randall's presence is going to factor. Okay. Into that's like, not what I'm yeah. Relax. You know what I meant? <laughs> okay. That's fine. All right. Um, look, they just need to, they need to acquire talent and specifically they need to acquire talent that, 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 um, that, that, that potentially can shoot eventually and can, can draw attention when they have the ball. But like that, you know, so does every other team wants that too. So, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's like, how, how, how can you get it? Speaking of guys that can shoot potentially one day, me at NY fan 07 wants to know, what do you think D Fox is as a player? Seems like a shot of shine has worn off. So it's funny. You ask this, um, I've been been very publicly anti De'Aaron at the at a realistic cost. So I'll, I I did something of a deep dive into Fox and also into I guess you'd say recent NBA or not recent NBA history because there there is no recent NBA history of young like high pedigree talented kind of top of the draft ish point guards who get traded at this portion of their career. And the reason there is no really recent NBA history of this is because teams don't trade guys like this at all. The last player that you could argue was of this ilk of the, like this caliber who got traded and like, um, like willingly by a team was when Utah traded Deron Williams to uh, Brooklyn uh, or excuse me, it's New Jersey. That's how long ago. <laughs> Respect New Jersey. Respect New Jersey. <laughs> um, and that and that was because they feared correctly, by the way, very correctly, correctly feared um, the impending contract situation. They wanted to get what they could get for Don. Uh, I was going to say Donovan Mitchell. That's funny because we're talking about Utah. Um, Not yet. They, yeah. Get what they could get for Deron Williams. Well, they could. That trade was back in um, was back in 2000. Eight, I believe, uh, Andrew. If you want to look up when the when the Deron Williams trade was, while he's eight. googling, can, I have a counter question to to push you a little here. And well, my counter question is, because Fox is likely to get traded, it seems at some point, maybe. Uh, do you think that maybe that just means when you say guys of this ilk, you know, one of these guys? Do you think maybe he's not one of well, those that's, guys? So that's exactly my that that. Thank you, Chris. That was my oh, point. Oh. That was my that was my point. In that, oh, if Sacramento oh. actually trades this guy, like, look, it's the Kings. We all laugh at the Kings. That's fine. Like, if you have a guy like this, and and there's even a chance that he could be this sort of player at that position with the way the rules in the league are today, 
you don't trade that guy. Like it, this used to happen a lot. And I go through it in the, in the Friday newsletter, like Stefan Marbury, you know, Kenny Anderson, um, Baron Davis, like guys, guys used to get traded from the point guard position because that was before, you know, the only, the only player who, uh, the only like young ish point guard who got traded, um, and gave the team, well, teams that traded him buyers remorse, I think, um, was Jason Kidd. And that was like, there was lots going on when he was traded from Dallas. Um, and then Phoenix, after Phoenix traded him, he was kind of already a little bit on the older side. Like he had led them to five straight playoff appearances. Like these trades don't happen. So if the Kings are entertaining trading him, like they have real, real, real concerns. Um, the Deron Williams draft trade was 2005. Yeah, because it was a 2005 draft in which the Jazz traded their pick to the next year's draft. Or I forget the exact order. No, that was his draft. I'm talking about the trade when he the year he got traded. I think was like 2010. You oh, you're talking about the trade to Brooklyn? Or yeah, to or Jersey? to New Jersey. Yeah, that yeah, it was literally a week after the Mellow trade. So it's 2011. 2011. 2011. 2011. Okay. Um, all that being said, all that being said. I think Fox before this season, like it was pretty not, it wasn't all good. Um, the King, like the Kings were better, like the defensive numbers have been pretty, not a, again, how much do you attribute to him? How, and how much do you attribute to the culture? How much do you attribute to the fact that he plays so many units with like Harrison Barnes or not? Harrison Barnes, um, Buddy healed. Here's my thing though. Like when Booker was on, the Phoenix shitters and they had, they were a 21 win team. I was telling people back then, this kid's a better defender than Donovan Mitchell. It was obvious. He was, yeah, that was not a, that was not a consensus take. Well, no, maybe not that specific take, but just like my point there is that I think that even if a guy is on a total, you know, loser squad, I think you can still identify when they're a good defender or not. And we're still waiting on Fox to be a good off ball player. We're still waiting on Fox to, to be a good shooter. We're still waiting on Fox to be a good defender. Uh, so no, but so that's that's the thing is like, and it, it is really just it's a fundamental question, similar to the question that we are dealing with with Julius Randle right now is essentially can you can you have a an on ball player in the league who doesn't play the center who doesn't protect the rim that can't shoot, and I think the answer might be no. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know if De'Aaron Fox could shoot it. So, I mean, look, would I, tra- I mean, would I trade Julius for him? Like, yeah, of course I trade Julius for him. I think every Knicks fan would trade Julius for him. I think the Knicks would trade Julius for him. Um, Chris, you I- wouldn't. Chris is, Chris is going radio silent. So if we know neither one is a number one option. Because we sure as hell know Julius Randle is not a number one option. And I guess, you know, if you want to use, I remember John had a tweet about Mitchell and Murray when they were facing off in the bubble. And he was like, this is proof to, this is like a lot of brownie points for the buy guys with upside of being primaries um, side of things. But like, if we think that neither Fox nor Randall will be our number one option when, as John said, God willing, we are contending sometime relatively soon, a couple slash few years from now, 
And we've seen Fox be, I'm going to sugarcoat this and say useless off ball well, in Sacramento. Um, then I don't know how excited I am about the prospect of not only having him as a third option, but in the meantime, um, limiting the amount of on-ball reps that RJ can get because of how much Aaron likes to be on the ball and how bad he is off the ball. I'm not worried about that right now. I'm worried about just getting in a guy who's going to look good here. If they think Don, if they if they think the Aaron Fox can look better in a Nick uniform than Julius Randle is currently look better looking in a Nick uniform, and that that would continue, and there's a better chance that he would look better in a Nick uniform than Julius would look in a Nick uniform next season. And I don't know that they necessarily think that, but if they do think that, and I know a lot of people watching the team right now would probably think that I think a lot of guys would look better in a Nick uniform than Julius right now. We know how this year is. Well then I don't think that's an excuse to make a move. I don't know. It's, but then make the move and you figure out the rest later, because then maybe when the time comes that Donovan Mitchell does tell Utah, like, yeah, I think I'm done here. Like, guess what? You got the Aaron Fox to send them back. And like, is the Aaron Fox an imperfect option? As we just discussed, he is, but he could also be, the salary that goes back in that sort of trade, you know? Um, So that's why, like, because the problem right now is that the notion that like Julius Randall is going to be the centerpiece of that sort of like, that's yeah, that's the, that's an issue. So yeah, I, I, I trade for, I trade Julius for him, but I'm not going to create, create some crazy package. And, And to be honest with you, the more I think about it, about whether I'd rather have a Julius, like, like maybe Julius and a small asset for Fox or Julius for like non-star X plus decent draft asset. I can, I would consider going path B. I agree, but we'll see. I agree. So there is the, we just, we had to do, we had to get there at some point. I had to ask about, I had to ask about De'Aaron, all these things and, we haven't done. No, it's a good question. Since. We haven't done a mailbag since that um, headline came out about Sacramento first, maybe trading one of the two, then not trading either. You know, so it's ridiculous. Uh, They're you know. really good at what they do. Um, if you remember, a report came out that they were going to. I remember I was in high school and I was in this offshoot hallway that we have in the second floor. Like I remember when I saw so the like, tweet. So like last week, okay. All right, man. Listen, Gramps. I saw this tweet and it was like the Kings are going to deliberate knowing that the Suns are taking Aiton on whether they're going to take Bagley or Doncic. And I was like they're going to delip. I was like 16 at the time and I knew Luca should have been the number one pick. And then a day later, Shams is like, they've landed on Bagley. They're zoning in on Bagley. And I was like, oh my god. Like the LOL Kings things that people tell me about are real. It was, (laughs) it was ridiculous at the time, but okay. uh, Next question is from miles. He wants to know if he's crazy to think that the front office has a consolidation trade coming before the deadline. His B question has a little follow-up is what do you think a package of Kemba Noel and the Dallas pick could reasonably get us? Do I think the front office or like has a consolidation trade lined up or that they are a hundred percent going to make a consolidation trade? No, I don't. I think as we spoke about before, I think this front office just looks at everything on its own merits and they're not, they will not make a trade just to make a trade. 
I do think that they will like, it's not to the point where they're like, whatever the best offer is on Burks, we're going to trade him. But I think it's as, about as close as you could probably get to something like that. As other than Burks, though, I don't know. I don't know that they're, they're like, I, maybe they're looking at Burks that way. But even again, like, what do you get? Like, who's trading something great for Burks right now? The way he's been playing, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. The, um, but again, like, well, there are other, but there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like, again, you could shut guys down and things like that. So, like, they'll, they'll, they'll trust me. The kids are going to play down the stretch of the season, barring, I mean, unless they start winning games, which newsflash, they're not. Um, the what was it? Noel, Kemba, and the Dallas pick. Yeah, the twenty-three. Uh, a a box of donuts. Like I, I don't know. It's that's basically that's basically asking like, what does the Dallas pick get you? Because like, Nerlens Noel is is not is not a net neutral asset right now. He can't. He, has, he hasn't been on the floor. Oh, okay, that's fair. I was gonna say like, and honestly, Kemba's not a net neutral asset right now. Who's who's who? Like right now, what NBA? No, this is a very simple question. Right now. Today, what NBA team would sign up for paying Kemba Walker nine point whatever million dollars next year? I don't think there's a team. The Houston Rockets, if they have a plan for John Wall, um, Houston Rockets. Give me a break, yeah, dude. They have young guys that they're trying to develop. Okay, they actually, know you know what? It's funny you mentioned the Houston Rockets. Could the Knicks get Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon for that package? That was the first name that came to mind. The other name that came to mind was Noel is like one of the few teams in the league that probably looks at Noel as a guy that they're like, wow, I really wish we had him is Dallas. So if that could make something with, you know, Noel and the 23 first rounder and one of the eight or nine 23 second rounders that Brock Aller sleeps with under his pillow every night, um, we could put that together and get Brunson. I'd be shocked. If, I'd be shocked if they got Brunson for that. Shocked. Utterly I, shocked. I don't know what Brunson's value is considering the amount of circusery that they have to deal with if they sign and trade him after this year, which is some like Jeremy was talking to me I, about how messy that would get. And I know that's it's really a, valuable to them, but like if they if they if he tells them, you know, like I am going to get make this messy for you and try to get to New York, like they're not. Come on, they're not they're not giving away that dude. I'm just they're not they're not giving away that dude. I listen, I'd love it if I'm I hope I I, hope I wouldn't so much it. that I'm wrong. I hope I, beyond hope that I'm wrong. I think he's I don't think average. I, I, I think he's I think he's not great, not terrible, just okay. A player. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's that's you're right to think that. Um 60, hold on, I'm just adding their salaries. They make 17 and change together this year. Um so that means Knicks could accept a salary up to um, about twelve and change. Um, I'm just look, sorry. I'm just looking to see if there's anybody else that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. With Gary Hick, Gary Harris, literally. Yeah, what what are the Knicks gonna do? Like again, the other like, name so, I can think of. So like all the types of trades that you're that you're thinking of are like trades for like a veteran, a win now veteran, and like the Knicks. Duh. Don't seem Shouldn't, like a team that want to use a first to do that when they just yeah I don't use the first to do an anti win now move yeah I don't I don't see I don't see I don't see anything out there I really don't um yeah I don't see anything 
What about Kemba to Cleveland? They just traded for Rondo. Yeah. I mean, they got Rondo after the Rubio injury. Right. But so yeah, Alder Almo from Twitter just literally just suggested that Kemba Walker's salary of 8.9 million fits Cleveland's disabled player exemption for Ricky Rubio. So if you wanted to have multiple guard options for your backup point guard solution. So you're getting a second round pick from Cleveland. Um, I'm pretty sure Cleveland. Um, I'm pretty sure Cleveland has a some extra seconds floating around from some previous trade. I feel like they've been in asset acquisition mode, as it says, or as it as it stands. They actually have a great pick. They have the, they have Houston's pick coming up for this this year's draft. Um, they're they're not picking. They're not trading that pick. Um, they also have San Antonio's pick this year. Would they do? Would they give up San Antonio the 2022 San Antonio second rounder to acquire Kemba Walker into their disabled player exception? Maybe I don't know. That's don't a fair so. question to ask. I don't. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's a question. It's a. It's. It is a question. They also don't have their own second, but again, their own second is probably going to be pretty good. Um, or like not. Sorry, not good. Like. They will be good, so this their own second will not be good. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's possible. That's a good. That's a good thought, though, Andrew. I like that. I didn't yeah. even think of that. Again, shout shout out Al, Alder Almo. Dude, I don't know if he's a reporter or not, but he he comments on a lot of Knicks film school stuff. So. He kind of he kind of reports on. Oh yeah. well, kind of reporter Alder. Shout out to you. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Chris. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I had to let that moment sit. It was so perfectly awkward. <laughs> Ray wants to know in order and this report or sorry, good words. This question comes on the heels of Zach Lowe saying today in the low post that the Knicks are getting calls on the young guys like quickly and they are shutting them all down, um, which is nice. Ray wants to know in order which one of the young bench players, IQ, OB, Grimes, and Cam, anyone else you want to add, like Deuce, has the most or least upside. And then a bonus after that, which do you think will or won't be with the Knicks when their rookie deal expires? Do you have any strong thoughts about who am I? So I'm I'm ranking upside of young bench players. So IQ so o- OB. Grimes, Cam, and if you want to add Deuce and Jericho in there, you can as well. I think I did this uh, in the post game the other night, but I'll do it again. God knows, I'll probably wind up giving a different answer. Um, I think I think Cam is the most upside. Um, And it's funny because I forgot about Cam when I answered this question the other night, and then I thought about Cam, and I'm like, oh, it's obviously Cam. Um, It is obviously Cam. I think Cam is the most upside of of that group. I, it's tough. It's a tough question to answer because, like, is is there an upside? Is there an upside to Obi Toppin that is higher than than probably anything Grimes is going to be? Sure. You know, you could probably even say the same thing about quickly. Like, if Obi if Obi develops a jump spot, a jump shot, and it's a real jump shot, like a real jump shot that like goes in the the basket more than it ricochets off the side of the backboard. Um, then he becomes respect, respect the OB UFOs. I know. Then, he, then he becomes 
a really, really, really interesting offensive player that can he can can you you know can a good team survive with him on the defensive end? I think that's always going to be a question. Um, but like, how how likely are we to get to that point? Very encouraged by the free throw shooting this year. Um, I think there's also something to be said for the fact, as as much of Nick's Twitter has been screaming from the rooftops for months, uh, what would he look like in a bigger role? Um, yeah, I was going to say with IQ and Obi, especially Obi, guys who seem to really thrive when it comes to getting better at the hoop and ball game when yeah. they are on the court playing reps. Um, these guys are playing no reps. Like I, I can sit during games and schedule on my computer yeah. hashtag play IQ. It's my new favorite hashtag hashtag play IQ for every, just like seven minutes of the game. And I'll probably be right. Like 80% of the time he's not in and for no reason. So I'm giving real thought to putting Grimes too here. Oh, it's tempting, but I, I, I don't. I think the battle for me, the battles are between Cam and IQ for the top spot, and then uh, Grimes and Obi for the next two. Uh, that's I, the way I tear it. I'm not gonna. I haven't like. Let me be very clear. I don't. Think, I have not like soured on Emmanuel quickly, but I think. I may have gotten a little ahead of myself with quickly at times this year because he has moments where it's just like, man, this guy's a big game player. And he, he is, I think he is a big game player. And I think he's the fact that like, he's never going to be scared and he wants to take the big shot. Like that's, you know, and after reading Chris Herring's uh, book, blood in the garden and reading about John Starks, it's like, you know, is there a, is there a 90th, 95th percentile outcome for quickly that looks like Starks? Um, maybe I don't, I, I, I don't know. He would need like, he would need the right coach. Someone to really believe in him. He would need the right, you know, roster slash rotation dominoes to fall, to give him a real chance to play meaningful minutes. Like, and he needs to keep developing as a, as a point guard. Um, Tibbs plays him in fourth quarters. Man. I know Tibbs. he does. I know. I know. I, Tibbs likes him. Tibbs trusts him. Yeah, I really, and he plays him specifically with, Evan, RJ, Julius, Mitch, which is basically him saying, we're going to start Kemba every game. He's healthy, but I would like to play IQ when this thing actually yeah. matters. So like the, the honest answer to this question is like, I, I obviously, as I'm going back and forth on this, I, I don't have a, an answer that I could say with much conviction. My gut feeling though, would be to put, man, I really, I really want to put cry. <laughs> My gut feeling would be to put. Oh, and I forgot about Mitch. Or should I include Mitch in this answer? He said young bench players. So right, yeah, great. This is a bench only thing. Bench great. only. So, so Mitch I'll, and RJ are clear here. I'll go. I'll go. Well, I don't know about that. Um, I of will, the question. Yeah, that's, sir. Okay, so uh, I'll go. Trying Obi. to get his trying to get his his digs off. Come on. I'll go Obi. Uh, I'll go Obi two Grimes three quickly four. And then um, who do I think will be at the team? I'm going to remember this. Okay. Look, I love Emmanuel quickly. I, I just, I think really highly of Grimes and I think Obi has a real ceiling. Um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, who do I think is going to be on the team at the end of their contract? I think Cam's going to be here at the end of his contract. That's for sure. Um, Grimes. Yeah. I, I will. I think Obi is the least likely of the three to be here at the end of his contract, because as much as I would love to live in a fantasy world where Julius Randle is no longer on this team uh, three weeks from now, 
Um, I think, I think the more, uh, I don't even know if I believe this. I was going to say, I think the more likely scenario is he's, he remains on the team and potentially even remains on the team into the beginning of next season. And in which case I think they would probably listen a lot more on Obi uh, during the summer. Um, but I think all three, I think all the guys have a chance to be here on the next contract. Yeah. I really do. I really, I genuinely believe that. And that is a, that is a vote of confidence in the front office. Uh, maybe famous last words from me, but yeah. Hopefully not. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So we've done a lot of talking about trades, about um, different options, what different things could yield. I want to, you know, you know, the meme, it's like, people always ask, why is this not? How is this? You know, I want, I want, I want, I want to get your thoughts, John. I want, I want to know what, I want to know what you think. And so does Ethan at NY sports fan. Kush wants to know what your ideal realistic trade deadline would be. And he's saying not necessarily uh, realistic in the sense of would the Knicks do it more like if you Mr. Macri, <laughs> we're running the team. What are some realistic trades you would try to do to um, maybe peddle this thing in the in what is allegedly the right direction that we are clearly not facing right now? <laughs> well, we know I mean, one. What'd you say, Andrew? We know one. Harrison Barnes is here along with Davion Mitchell. My no, in like my perfect world. Mm-hmm. Like and and in my perfect world that I think is actually semi realistic, yeah, sure. The Knicks are getting a pick back from the Kings, for, and along with Barnes, and you, that would be your trade. If I could get a pick from the Kings that had that was that had a chance to be unprotected at some point in a trade where I got Harrison Barnes as well, and I'm sending Julius Randall out. Oh my goodness! I mean. I, w- I wouldn't be able to call that into the league office fast enough. That would be, oh boy. Um, and I'm not even sure when I would want the pick in my perfect world. Would I, would I want the pick to be, I probably wouldn't want it to be this year because the odds that that pick is going to be in the, because this, this draft, and again, Chris, you know a lot more about this than me. This seems to be a very clear top Four, right. And I guess now again, that the kid who reclassified, if he's in there, like maybe it makes it a top five. Right. Um, you know, and like yeah. we saw, and we saw last, you know, last season with the, when the Warriors had multiple, 
picks in the back half of the lottery and the uh, Magic also, right? Had multiple picks. Like, it ain't that easy to just package two picks and move up a spot or two spots. Um, like, team, if a team thinks they're getting one of those guys, guess what? They're going to draft one of those guys. They ain't giving it away. So, like, the notion that the Knicks could get the Kings pick this year and, like, package it and try to, like, move into, like, that's not happening. I'd rather get a, a, a pick for the Kings later down the line that has a better chance to be at the yeah. top of the draft. Do I, do I think that that's realistic? I, I, I wish I knew. Um, but if you're asking me my ideal, I, I, I did it. You know, Andrew, you've been here for all of these conversations and all my thoughts on this. There's a reason where the first time I ever broached the idea of a Julius Randle trade, my mind gravitated immediately to the Kings and to Harrison Barnes. That was from day one, whatever it was, two months ago when I first started thinking about this or a month and a half ago. It makes sense on so many levels. It's a desperate team, desperate to make the playoffs. They're close enough that they could talk themselves into making the play-in. Um, and Barnes is honestly like the perfect player for this type of deal because like for a Julius trade, you're not getting a star back for Julius the way he has played. Like it's just not going to happen in like, other than maybe Fox. And if I'm the Kings, like, why the fuck would I do that? Why would I trade De'Aaron Fox for Julius Randle? I get positionally it makes sense because you have Halliburton, you have Davion, um, you know, and theoretically like, but like, I, I don't think the Kings are going to do that. And again, I'm, but for the Knicks, you're getting a guy in Barnes who, again, he's not some kind of on-ball creation guy or whatever, but like that dude's a good basketball player. I don't care what team you put him on. Like there's a reason the Kings were demanding two first round picks for him at last year's deadline. And I'm sure the, the, you know, certain teams thought about it. Um, he's a good basketball player um, and he's going to help you and he's going to help you on both ends of the court. And like, yeah, is it going to be bumpy for the rest of this year? Having RJ run your offense? Like, yeah, it's going to be really bumpy, but like, guess what? Maybe that's for the best. Um, so yeah, that's, I, and I don't honestly, I don't even care about anything else before the deadline. Like, I don't really give a shit what they get for Burks. Ooh, I cursed. Fuck. Um, There's uh, no way you're on. You're not real. What? That was like, I was like, I have, I have a friend who got in a car accident when we were in high school and then driving away from the car accident, got in another car accident. That was, that was that, like, that was that, like that. Right? That is exactly what that was. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so I I think that really and again the great thing about the great thing about Harrison Barnes and again I want to be just really super clear Harrison Barnes is not changing your life Harrison Barnes is not cannot he, cha- he changed my life speak for yourself <laughs> he's just like he but he's just a solid he's a solid guy who could you know who could who could help you in in a lot of ways um, but I think that's the best like if you look at the potential players that could come back. Um, in this sort of a deal, you know, unless you want to get crazier and, and again, shout out to this, the Patreon episode we recorded earlier today, where we did a crazy trade with Dallas that I'm not even going to say on this, on this podcast, you can feel free to go listen to that. If you're interested, don't answer um, this, but I just hope for craziness's sake that Frank Nilakina came back to the next Frank's game. name was mentioned. I'll say that Frank's name was mentioned. You guys are on the right track. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm yeah. I'm just I'm trying to think like outside the box stuff. Like, if the trade was Randall for Brunson and Hardaway Jr., you guys have warm, warm seats. And all right, all right, all right. 
Shout out to Patreon. Uh, really? So, yeah. No that that would be my that would be my my ideal trade realistic trade deadline. Um, in terms of like just trying to think, like um, I'd, I'd re- I really would like them to get Brunson. Um, I'd like Brunson a lot. I think I think I'd like very much to see whether playing alongside a point guard like Brunson, who is again in a perfect world, he is a six man of the year type candidate guy, you know, combo guard off the bench who could play alongside your primary. Um, when your primary is a guy like Luca, which RJ, I, I like that take perfect world, six man of the year. Yeah, that's a, exactly. That's a and great that's, assessment on Brunson. And that's what Brunson is. And anybody who says that that's not what Brunson is like, hasn't really been paying attention. Like, you know, and again, if you're if your comp is Fred Van Fleet, well, guess what? Fred Van Fleet was a, a, a six man on a world champion, and like in a can and he, Van Fleet is is better, and Van, and Van Fleet is better. I want I want to be very clear about that as well. So like, but would I like to see Brunson play starting point guard for this team for the rest of this year and see just the presence of another guy who again is not a, like a lead guard in the traditional sense, but how his presence would help RJ out. Would it make our offense uh, life on offense a little bit easier for the Knicks with RJ as kind of the center point. I'm curious about that. And then the last thing I'll say, and again, shout out to Benji for bringing this up on the, um, the, 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 yeah, the most recent podcast um, getting a stretch five in there, which again, I know like, well, what do you do with Mitch? Do you bring Mitch off the bat? Like, but to get a stretch five to play alongside RJ, um, which brings us back to Miles Turner, which like, hey, um, again, I think Nick fans, as much as we all hate Julius Randle right now, a lot of people would be, my God, would they be upset at the front office if there was a Julius to Indiana trade in which Miles Turner was the main piece coming back. But I got to tell you, if that's the best deal that I can get you for Julius, Julius for Miles and, a, and maybe a small thing no don't do this i'd do it i'd do it what what are your objections chris i i think that that's oh my god and i'm not a big turner guy i'm really not that's even more ludicrous oh oh but again i i think from a fundamental basketball like standpoint like the the, the benefits of getting a stretch 5 to be on this team both to help RJ and to help Obi Toppin would be absolutely would be absolutely massive. And oh, by the way, Turner's a guy who wants a little bit more responsibility on the ball. And if he came to a Nick team without Julius Randle on it, but with you know RJ and all the rest of the collection of characters that we have, you'd be able to get a little bit more of that. And I don't know, maybe maybe Miles Turner turns himself into a bit more of an asset here. Um, wouldn't that, shock me. That's a that maybe is a, a large maybe for that deal to be like a worth it trade to hinge on. I don't know. I cannot view like if you're trying to put together a contending team, you want to say RJ will develop into your second um, option. You, your you mind always. I'm look, and I did this. I've, I still do this sometimes. I don't blame you for it. But stop thinking about all these trades in terms of does this, you know, free agency doesn't exist this year. So I, if you're if you're making a trade now, this is Chris, your, you're putting your foot in the sand on they are, that direction. They are years, years away from being in the like it is just about you said it before. 
just a, asset acquisition. Just get a little bit better. And make a little bit more Miles, sense on the court. That's all it is. He's not that to to replace Randall with. I I don't know I, if I, I Fox to, is not that guy. Miles is not that guy. Brunson is not that guy. Well, I, to me the the I mean again if it if it's not clear from this episode, it's not clear from 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 the post game of Miami or any of the recent post games. I think the most important by far the most important te- thing this team could do is get rid of Julius Randall. You know, does it, I, I think Chris, I think I, I also wouldn't want them to trade him for Turner, but I think that's more the sentiment being expressed here. It's I like, get it. It's Randall. Just like the what the, the honeymoon is very much over and that extent going to that extent, like no, but miles can, Turner, like that's too much. I, I get hold, what you're saying. They're, hold on. In my, do it in my defense, better. I'm not saying trade Julius for, and again, it, it, I, well, I don't know who the hell, what, what, I don't know what the hell Atlanta would do, but like, I'm not saying, um, you know, trade him for like Danilo Gallinari, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying trade him for a guy who is going to help your basketball team today. And you know, he is going to help your basketball team today um, in a, in a real way. Right. And not just to get, not just to get off the salary, to get off the salary. I'm not saying that they should not trade Julius Randall just to get off his money. And they're not going to trade Julius Randall just to get off his money. Right. If we know they're not contending now, obviously or close to contending now, then why does getting better right now? Like- because the ship is the ship be sinking. This is bad, Chris. It's not good what's going on there right now. And when, when Ian, when Ian drops, you know how I know it's bad here. You know, here's how I know it's bad. When Ian Bagley drops the piece in which he reports, you know, about whatever his specific report said, you know, this, that, and the other inside the locker room, when he includes caveats in the report where it's like, I just want to be very clear. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. When in reality, I'm reading that. I'm like, oh, wow. All of these, he is saying all these things. <laughs> and the reason he has to go through it and be like, I'm not saying this is so he doesn't get, you know, he doesn't get shit for it. Um, it's it's not good right now. It's really not good. Um, and I just I just want it, I want it to be back to being to being where it's like just what do you do with a cancer? You you cut it out. Okay. I get that angle. That's my stance. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's I not get- a cancer. Maybe someone else is at fault. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? But yeah, I get the stance. I think that that is a stance that you can act on and leave this team in a better position going forward than it, than it is now. I don't think that acting on it on that stance to an extent where Miles Turner and draft capital is your return, not even, you know, considering the log jam that that would leave them in with Randall and Domas. Um, that like that's too much. Like I, I don't know. I think I think you're going so far in one way that you've gone the other. Maybe like that's look, the way more, I personally view more, it. You know, I look, just, more trades open up during the off season. It's inevitable. More trades always open up during the off season. They they especially be, this off season. Yeah, and up. and they and they may be limiting themselves by trading him now, which is why again I want to be extraordinarily clear about this. It needs to be the right deal, but I. I think you could, if you get something else back from Indiana. Now, what is that something else? I, I, I don't, I don't know. That something else has to be unprotected. Cause like in this doomsday scenario of like, I just want Randall gone. I will trade him for a center that's currently not healthy or able to play games. It just sounds like you're better off 
if if you're that out on Randall, just like shut him down for the rest of the year. Then if that's that's the play, and address this again in the off season before well, the extension kicks in. And that's and that's the most likely scenario is if if things keep going poorly over the next ten to fifteen games, uh, then Randall gets shut down and gets shut down, and you try to trade him in the off season. The reactions um, to this are fascinating, by the way, just from like from my perspective, seeing both of you work through this is like, I get Chris's thing of like, that's the return for Randall. But I also get John's thing of like, I can't watch this anymore. Like this is, this is not a good it's, thing. Well, no. It's a, it's about, okay. Maybe John, you know, John can act on that stance, but it can't be, it can't, the, the value can't fall off that, that big of a cliff, but it, it can't, can't be. It's not about watching bad basketball. God knows I've watched a lot of awful, awful, awful basketball over the course of my lifetime, but you, I think you built something. I think what happened last year was real and it wasn't just a a flash in the pan. I think there was, there were, there were real foundational pieces put in place for a culture that is now absolutely being torn to shreds. And I think it's still salvageable. And I think in order to salvage it, you need to get this guy out of here. You know, Jeff Van Gundy said it last night. You need your best player to what? Did, what was his term? Have an unquenched, an un, an unquenched desire to win, right? Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. He. I mean, again, it's he's not. It, no, no one's. You don't have to read between the lines here. It's right. You're saying the quiet part out loud. Julius is not that guy. And what evidence do we have that he's going to magically become that guy again? This, I shouldn't even say again because last season, yes, he was winning, but you know what? He was winning. He was winning, getting all the glory, all the attention. And then when it came time for it to for him to adjust his game, to welcome in some new super friends um, in the summer, uh, to the point where maybe the attention wouldn't be as much on him. Uh, Julius turns into a pumpkin. That wasn't a coincidence. All right, man. If you're if if cooked Kemba Walker is a super friend, we are off the deep end. I can't. Like, you know what? I have no idea what cook what cooked Kemba Walker could have been. I know I saw a version of that dude this year a couple uh, more than a couple times that could play ball. And like by the way, me Fournier, too. It's about the fact that we don't see that guy all the time. That's okay. the thing with him. It's not that I, he stinks. He's a good player. It's that no, he it, is not. That's fair. But Fournier, there's a real guy in there who could do real stuff. And like, guess what? We have seen it when when he when he gives a damn against Boston, right? And and his. His play, I'm not saying he's been any better in terms of his mentality because I think he's been like the other kid, like uh, two kids argue. It's like two kids arguing in the sandbox. I know. Julius. I know. So so many guys have, you know, a subpar attitudes and so many guys are playing worse basketball than in their literal long careers they have shown to be able to play. I don't get why, like, a lot of the focus that's on Julius isn't at least shared with. Tibbs, first of all, and second of all, why Julius being gone is the one-off solution to all of these problems. I'm not. Imagine. I'm not absolving Tibbs of blame anymore. Resolve I think everything. He, uh, I, I'm not absolving Tibbs of blame anymore, but we're past I, that. No, I know, but I. But at the same time, I know that dude could coach, and he has handled a bad situation poorly. And he's arguably made it worse. But the the notion that like 
he is the reason for this happening. Oh, no, I, I, that's not what, what is, I said. Is not I the said, case. And also, I said, they, I don't get why Tibbs doesn't share some of Julius's, some, he, just some again, of Julius's blame. I, I know, say, Tibbs, I don't get I, why we, yeah. For, for as much as has gone wrong, for as much as has gone wrong, this team plays hard consistently, still, somehow, every night. And I, I have watched team after team after team not do that. And he continues to get us to do that. And I am. They look like you closing out on the corners, dude. Uh, Julius Grimes, looks like me closing out on the corners. Grimes, the guys who are either just happy to be here, like IQ and Obi, who have had to grind their entire career for minutes and opportunity and all that. Like they're playing like they want to earn their keep. Everyone else is playing like. They know they can score zero points and still get put in over the kids that have earned their keep. No, it's just call it like it is. It's it's the it's the three guys. It's Kemba Fournier and Julius where this tug of war with this team is going on. And I, and, I don't know if I like Burks enough to exclude him from that group. I don't know if I, I, I I'm not I'm not putting any Burks has been bad of, of late, but he's like, again, that's a guy who has shown time after time after time again yeah, this year. I am I am the one pushing back on the people saying, oh, just stop playing him and play camp. Like I mm-hmm. I do not agree. So no, I don't agree with that. Look, it, it Tibbs is is not without fault here, but if you're asking me what do I think that there's a better chance of happening, the Knicks writing the ship by firing Tibbs and, and elevating Johnny Bryant or the Knicks trading Julius Randle for a guy who's going to come in and like a lot of these issues go away. Um you know, I'm happy. I'm happy to trade Randall. Okay, let, uh, do, I, I'm sure we have a few more questions. We should probably get to. Uh, there's, there's there's one, one more left. question, but I, I did want to say. You know, you talked a lot about watching ugly basketball. Bobby Mark suggested today that we should trade for Westbrook. So if you want to, did he really watch a really good brand of basketball? Um, you know, there's another path too. You know, one of the other really talented guys we can move Julius for. We, anyway, we traded, we traded Westbrook on the Patreon pod too, John, didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, um, for what? Jimmer, Jimmer Fernandez, the first class fight? No, no, no. Chris, I'll tell you after the pod so people can go listen to it. Shanghai I, Sharks headquarters. Man, the, the, take, the, the, the Westbrook trade that John came up with is a masterpiece. Like, I don't think it'll happen, <laughs> but I want it to happen so bad. Those are the um, trades that are, are they're too perfect to happen. Like Simmons for Fox before this season, it was too perfect to happen. That's why it didn't happen. Okay. All right, John, one last question before uh, we get you to bed. Hub Cam Fam wants to know, does Macri push P? I have no idea what that means. Am I supposed to know what that means? As uh, you, you want me to give you some like Knicks related sentences like that, that would define it. Sure. Sure. Like, all right. So like Julius Randall getting his bag and then playing like an ass clown. Like that's not P like he's not pushing P. But like Quentin Grimes coming in and clamping the POA full effort, like his first possession of the game, like that's P. You know what I'm saying? Like, so do I do this? RJ, RJ, RJ coming in and and you know balling out this whole month, like that's P. Noel not catching a pass, he's not pushing P. Okay, so the question is, do I push P? Yeah, are you pushing P? P like is urine? No, <laughs> man. The letter P. Dude, like, I don't even like, know what we're talking about. But P, that's P like play. It's like player. It's like player. Like like you like. Are you player, John? Like you pushing P? You kicking P? Like playa? Like P P L A Y A? You didn't you didn't listen to Gunna's album? No. Come on, dude. 
we gotta get we gotta get uh, what does P back. stand Listen. for? What does P stand for, Chris? It, it stood for player at first, but now it's it's just P. All I can think about when you asked the question was like, how close am I to the age where I really do have to like work hard to push my P out of my system? <laughs> and that was really depressing for me. And now I don't even know what to think. I thought, shout out Julito. I thought about um, season four of The Wire where the drug of choice is pandemic. And so they were pushing pandemic on the corners in season four. Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes pushing P. Oh, so he pushes. Oh, you actually make the sign with your hands. Okay. It, so someone did a TikTok thing. That wasn't, that's not part of it. But like, <laughs> are you pushing P, John? Are you putting your best foot forward, John? In fact, are, are you? I think that's the translation. I, I hope so. That's my answer. I yes. hope so. I have one very quick. It, it'll we can make fun of John real quick, Chris, because I'm going to guarantee he has no idea what I'm about to what I'm referring to. And then I have to hold you and probably your education accountable. So, John, you have any idea what Wordle is? Uh, I do, because I've been seeing it come up on Twitter. Uh, the couple of minutes a day that I do uh, happen to scroll on this app. And also some of my students were playing it today. Okay, so Wordle is a website that everybody goes to. I just say everybody loosely, but a lot of people go to. And you basically have six tries to guess a five-letter word every day. And as you guess, like, like say the first word you suggest is Nick, right? So if none of the letters in the word Nick are the in the word you're supposed to guess, those letters disappear from the alphabet. And you basically have to, to, to guess um, throughout um, the six letters. So like, for example, today, we're at the end of the day, so I can guess this. The word was mount. So I guessed audio to start. So the O and the U showed up as they were uh, in the word, but in wrong direction. So then I knew to guess O and U. I'll explain it later in more detail. But the word... So then at that point, you're guessing a word where the O and the U are in the places that they show up in the thing? Well, so if, if the letters are highlighted with yellow then it says that means that the if the letters are highlighted in yellow it means that they're in the word but they're in the wrong spot so then if you get them right in your second try like so in audio the o and u showed up in the wrong spot so the next word i guessed is sound and so the o u would then be green but nothing else showed up so i had to well i guess the n would have showed up in that case regardless that is how wordle works you basically have six tries to guess the five letter word of the day i lead into this because Chris, I think it was earlier this week or late last week, the word was null, K N O L L. And Chris had no knoll? idea. Like grassy knoll? Thank you. The grassy knoll. Chris, I just, I'm curious what you were taught about the JFK assassination that you were never <laughs> introduced to the word null. Oh, what are we going to bring Jeremy on the pod now too? That, that's the, that's the best joke possible. But I just um, was, I was, that's why I was taken aback. Like you said, I've never, what the heck is this word? Yeah. And it's I, like, no, I does no that idea. not part of the JFK con? Like, what did you learn about it? I was going to say, I learned about holes, not knolls. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I have no idea. You know, I know. Is that the name of the guy that, that shot him? No. The, so where did John Wilkes got, Booth? That's Lincoln. That's Lincoln. Uh, as Grassy Knoll, the the guy who killed. And that, is, that sounds like a, like a place, though, not a guy. It is a place. So, wasn't he in Texas? Was yes, he in Austin? Fort Worth, Austin? Dallas. Fort Worth. He was in Dallas. He was not in Austin. It was Austin, Fort, it was Fort Dallas, Worth, Fort Worth, Dallas, yes. Houston. It's all the same place. It's, it's this is 
no, this is okay. So maybe this is a, ju- a junior year thing you learn. Um, oh, they're all in the south. It's the west, but technically the south. Okay, this this more clarifies that you didn't learn anything about the JFK assassination <laughs> in high school. Then that maybe this is a college deep dive you have to do. This was I learned about this in eighth grade. Was JFK. So you're, you know, there's a great documentary actually on this, Chris, uh, directed by this guy, Oliver Stone. It's called JFK. You should watch it. Everything in there is, um, <laughs> you called it a documentary. There's a dramatization. No, it's a documentary. By... So that to just watch that and then you should, is it like a conspiracy? Very no, much just, so. it's a, it's a documentary. Go and watch it. And <laughs> here's what I'll say in polite company. <laughs> I'm at the point where I am on John's side, where if you told me it's a documentary, I'd believe it. Basically, Chris, JFK was assassinated while in a slow motorcade um, and they ruled that it was from a warehouse uh, gunman from behind. Oh, the second shot and all that stuff. So there's a a conspiracy that a second shot came from the front and it came from the grassy knoll where the the, there's a very clear image of the of the camera footage of JFK being shot with the camera. the man who shot the camp with the camera, his name was Zapruder. So the Zapruder film came from right by the grassy knoll. And the theory is that there was a second shooter that day. This is all leading to me wondering if that is even addressed. Like the grassy knoll is like a place that is landmarked where people go to look at the grassy knoll of where JFK was shot. Cause it's like the moment in the parade route where the death shot happened. I guess I have to watch the, documentary i, I don't want to uh, activate you and make you watch jfk but watch jfk it's a really good movie. it is a really good movie really good uh kevin costner performance all right chris here's here is the last we'll end the pod with this what should i put on the table here i will send you and you have to honor code you cannot look this up right now uh i will send you a nick's film school swag item of your choice if you tell me i'm not gonna know it I already know the hoodie. <laughs> if, if you tell me who was the president before JFK. Oh, do I know that? Yeah, I do know this. Okay. I was if making you, sure. I was making sure. I was making sure. Dude, when the hell was he even president? The sixth. The like JFK 70s? got JFK got elected in 1960. He won a very close uh election. In fact, people went to bed that night thinking that the year my mom was born, dude. Thinking oh that Vice President born? Richard Nixon had won and woke up finding out that you just gave him a hint. had won. I I don't dude, think if you he, think he I doesn't know, know who the president when Vice when Nixon you was. You think I know who Nixon's is. was the vice for yes, Jesus. Come on. I think I'm allowed to give hints here to make it <laughs> somewhat close. I was ready to say, you know, like can I get can I say what my first guess was gonna be before I say I was sure. gonna say the first George Bush. I was gonna say the first George Bush. Was and then, before JFK? And then and then you guys said you the, should you should you be expelled. The, the guy said this, you guys said the 70s. So I was like, oh, you should be that. I didn't even say the 70s. The word 70s hasn't come up yet. You guys oh, yeah, 60s, 60s, 60s. 60s. Um, I'm gonna go, God. I feel like the funny guess is Ronald Reagan, like just objectively. Funny. Reagan got elected in 1980. I'm going to go Lyndon B. Johnson was the vice president for Kennedy and then took over for Kennedy after he was. Uh, you know what? That's actually a respectable guess. That is. The, he was the president was after the right JFK. That was was the right so that was a respectable guess. All right. Uh-huh. All right. I'll take it. I'll take respectable guess. The answer. Uh, the answer is Dwight D. D. Eisenhower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
I had a I had a doctor. Reminds me of a very funny Eisenberg. episode, by the way, of married oh, children. But continue. Oh, what? Um, I mean, I just making stuff up at this point. That's, that's not. That's do not you me. know what I'm talking about, Andrew? I do. I do. Where that's, I, that's, I believe that's, a, that's a very much the age gap, though. I I believe that was an episode where they were accusing uh Mar uh Marcy's husband. Uh, I forget his first name, but Mr. Darcy, of being a communist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this woman's name was Marcy Darcy. Yeah. Yes. That's, that, yes was that was a, that was a joke of <laughs> the show because she, she got drunk and married and got married uh, one night and the guy's last name ended up being Darcy. So she w- woke up and she's like, my name's Marcy Darcy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there was an episode where Mr. Darcy uh, was being, was accused of being a communist and Al Bundy was like to, to get him to like his, his challenge was like, all right, name, let's go back and forth. Name, name every U S president. And the guy, Names all of like the presidents uh-huh. and all the only president that Dwight or that uh, Al Bundy knows is Dwight D. Eisenhower. <laughs> this is the oldest moment of the show ever, Chris. Bring Listen, shout out to anyone else who grew <laughs> up watching Married Good one. Children. Good one, Grandpa. When they probably shouldn't have been watching Married Al, Children. Al Bundy pushed P, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Al Bundy pushed all the P, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, on that note, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Uh, do you have anything you want to push uh, P or otherwise before we get out of here? I'm always pushing P. Come on. Um, DZP but- you at your age. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we get it like a, uh, are there like products for older men that help them like wait for it urine? after this segment? Maybe. <laughs> I, no, like I, if, if anybody's listening out there that wants to sponsor the show uh, with your with your uh, pee pusher product. Okay, yeah, sorry, Chris. What do, you, what do you what do you want? John could use it, guys. Seventy four. Right, so. Listen, I I will use any product you send me. You'll turn thirty one day, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be half as old as John. All right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Um, I know. So I will say, uh, I will, you know, I, would, I, I just, uh, I always say the halftime show. I always say the halftime show. And, and, and the reason for that is because I love the halftime show so much. It's so much fun. Um, this season, it's been rough, you know, a couple of times given the on court product, but getting to go through it with all of you guys being the listeners is the best and makes things a lot better. So, um, I, I appreciate everyone who who pops in and, and invite everyone who doesn't to uh, skip the commercials and come hang out the KFS halftime show. Every game, the Knicks play I'm live at halftime. John's got you post game. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, answer some questions. I yell at, you know, whoever deserves to get yelled at. Cause this year there's always someone. Uh, and I also, and I, I beg to play IQ or <laughs> so that sounds intriguing to you, you know, come and stop by and also make sure to stop by John's post game. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, Andrew, anything we forgot? Not yet, but let's just say if you enjoy Chris Persianin's analysis on today's podcast, maybe around the time we were bringing up the draft, that maybe there may be some news dropping in the distant future about Chris and potential draft analysis more on that in the next time he's here more on that in the next episode of married with children um <laughs> all right uh there's a lot of bud bundy and chris persiana by the way uh okay thanks see, for now I, now i have to get on google to see if that was an insult or not yeah, yeah. it's 
spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like they, someone telling me I look like Joffrey. Like, oh, all right, you know, like. <laughs> oh my gosh, you get told you look like Joffrey? No, I get told I look like Ralph from A Christmas Story. But oh, you was, was oh, okay, yeah, that's that actually, was that was just that was just for the bit, John. Was saying <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We, we uh, don't forget, uh, if you're not subscribed, please do so. Check uh, or uh, leave us a, a rating, five star rating, uh, a review, positive review. All these things help. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with more fun and games uh, very soon. 